If you're tired of the superficial and you're craving real conversation about life, relationships, fears, doubts, and the divine in the middle of it, this is the place for you. My name is Anna Dimmel, and I'm a blogger, writer, and former pastor, and it's my passion to build bridges, not walls, through honest, real conversation and connection, and I want that for you. This is the show that will help you do that and give you not only inspiration and connection, but will help you leave the superficial for good and form the real connections you're craving. Your story matters, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. and welcome to the Behind the Mirror podcast. I am so glad you've joined us today. We have had some wonderful guests so far on this season of the podcast, and we have had so much good conversation that has come from these guests talking about so many different things inside of the Christian faith and new ideas and new perspectives, and it has sparked a lot of conversation Um, I've heard from you guys inside the Facebook group. I have heard from emails and messages that you guys have sent me. And, you know, I thought there's a lot of questioning happening right now. There's a lot of thoughts being stirred. There's a lot of people scratching their heads going, whoa, wait a second. What is all of this? And I have questions now. And what about this? And what about that? And so I wanted to devote an entire episode to some of those questions that I'm hearing you guys ask, some of the things that I'm hearing from you that have sparked since we've had these most recent episodes. So today we're going to cover this question of fear of stepping outside of the word of God, fear of not completely taking the word of God literally. We're also going to talk about how I have evolved in my journey with all of this, how I view scripture and my relationship with Jesus. We're going to talk about why there are so many different denominations and how we know which one is the right one. Which one are we supposed to follow? How do we know? There's so many different people saying so many different things. How do I know which is the right one? We're going to talk about that. We're going to try to look at all of this through the example that Jesus set because I think he's the bar that we should be looking at. So great content, great episode. I'm super stoked that you joined us on this one. I think it's going to provoke a lot of thinking and a lot more deep discussion, which is what we're all about here, right? Also, I'm going to be honest with you guys. If you don't know, I, and I've said this in some of my earlier episodes, after my divorce, I had to go back to work full-time in the corporate world, which It takes a lot of my time. So I work 40 plus hours a week and then I have four kids and we have all the things that comes with four kids and then I get to do this, which is what I consider my real work, which is my writing, my blogging, my book project I'm working on currently and podcasting and connecting with you guys. So with that being said, I have set up a Patreon page for this podcast. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a way that you can support things like this. You can support creative projects. And I know a lot of other podcasts were doing the Patreon thing and I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, But the more work I put into this, 
especially this podcast, because I I do all the content, I book all the guests, I edit all the content, I produce all the content, and I publish all the content. So this is a one-man show. I do it all. And when I started realizing how much work that entailed, the whole Patreon thing began to make a little bit more sense. And so I have jumped on the Patreon board. I've started a Patreon page. And if this show is something that you enjoy, if you believe in, if you like the conversations we're having here, and you believe that they're important, I'd encourage you to check it out. There are many different ways you can support on there, and it has different levels. But either way, I would love it if you checked it out. I spent a lot of time on that Patreon page, so check it out. Let me know what you think. You can find it on my website, justajesusfollower.com, and then look for the bar on the top, and you'll see a, a link for Patreon. You can just click on that and... Um, There's a button inside there that takes you to all that good stuff. So that being said, I love you guys. I love this work. I love what this podcast has created. It's created quite a little community that I am really loving. And if you're not inside of our Facebook podcast group, please join in. It is such a wonderful group of people. You can opt in on my website. Same website, justajesusfollower.com backslash podcast backslash podcast group. You can opt in there. We would love to have you. Okay. All that being said, I think we're ready for this show. Here we go. diving into so much content today. It's, it's crazy. Like so much content. I, um, I have to say before we dive in that it is Memorial day weekend. We're coming up on that weekend and the kids are out of school. Can I just get a hooray from all of you parents out there who are like, thank God the last month of school is done. I have one in high school. So we had finals and we had the end of the year soccer stuff and it was just crazy. And then I have little people who had end of the year performances and end of the year clean out your cubby day and end of the year parents come watch stuff day. It was just, it's been crazy. Adding to that ballet recitals and good Lord, Love my children, love being a parent, but um, can I just say I'm really glad that May is coming to a close and I feel this way every year. Anyway, just had to say all of that because it's, it's a good day that May is ending. Okay, so we have had a lot of great guests on the podcast and we have had a lot of great conversation inside the podcast Facebook group and I've also heard from you guys through messages and emails and friends of mine who are listening to the podcast are talking to me in person about all the things that all these guests and myself have been talking about 
And so I wanted to just settle in and go over some of the things that I feel keep coming up in question form. And the first one that I keep running into are people saying, but we're not obeying the word. We can't not obey the word of God. We have to do everything the Bible says. And the Bible says clearly, da, 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 whatever they want to fill the, fill the blank in when, with that. Um, this has been something that I have personally been indoctrinated with. And when I say that, I mean growing up in a Christian home, growing up in an evangelical worldview, you did not mess with the word of God. In fact, you went to schools that taught from the word of God. You went to churches that were Bible-based and that were not afraid to preach the truth of the word of God. And you had friends who came from homes that believed in the word of God. And everyone who didn't believe in the full, unadulterated, unchanged, unhinged word of God, you basically only viewed them as a project, as someone to convert or witness to. Now, I love where I am today in my faith journey. I do. But I I don't know that I would be here if I hadn't come from there, if that makes sense. I think every part of our story matters and every part is good. And that journey did present me with an opportunity to encounter the divine. I can't deny that. So as narrow as that lens was that I am now taking off, that lens did present me with so much good. So I'm not coming against that viewpoint by any means. But we do grow in our faith. We do grow in our relationship and our understanding, although limited because we're humans, with the divine. We do grow in that. And so when I hear people get real flustered with this, it's like this panic comes over them of, but you're stepping away from the word of God. The word of God says, and a perfect example of this is how people are reacting to the LGBTQ community. Because you have many people who love Jesus, who follow Jesus, who preach Jesus, who go to church and embrace all of the same practices that their conservative neighbors do, but they are now inclusive. And they now believe that the word of God does not reject those who are in that community. And so, you know, this is, and I'm using this as an example because this is where I've seen a lot of people get very panicky over, oh no, they're stepping away from the word of God. Okay. And I'm not going to dive into that topic. We could maybe hit that topic another day, but I am going to dive into this view, this lens, if you will, of not obeying the word of God. Okay. So a lot of people pride themselves on living a life that follows the the word of God strictly. And when I say word of God, I am meaning the Bible. Now, I have said on this podcast numerous times before that I view the word of God as Jesus because the Bible speaks to that. The Bible does not speak to the Bible. It does not point you to the Bible. It points you to the word, the logos, the word of God, meaning Jesus, God in human 
flesh. So it, it's still, it's just a, an interesting thing to me that we have gotten so caught up on the word of God being the Bible when the Bible itself doesn't even say that. Okay. We're just going to scoot past that and put that aside. Um, so people pride themselves on following scripture. They pride themselves on following the black and white scripture. Now, they pick and choose the topics that they hold tightly to. Um, and in your community, there may be specific points that people get real bent out of shape about. Um, but I just want to present the idea that none of us really follow scripture literally. Now, you may completely freak out when I say that, but let me just present to you my case for this idea. So, there are many scriptures that the Bible talks very, very clearly about when it comes to women. Um, Scripture is very clear that at least in certain contexts. Now, it contradicts itself on this topic, but there are certain instances in Scripture that you could pull out one verse or two or three or four and say, women should not be in leadership. Not only that, but women should not speak in church. They should direct their questions or their thoughts to their husband and their husband should speak for them. That is a literal scripture, very clear, very black and white in the New Testament. There are also scriptures that talk about adultery being punishable by death. Yeah, very clear, black and white, punishable by death. There are scriptures that say if you have been divorced, that you shouldn't remarry. There are verses that say that races can't mix, like at all. Don't mix races. There are verses that say very clearly that slaves should obey their masters. Which I find interesting. We all want to scoot around this one and be like, oh, well, well, you know, they just didn't know any better and and that was just their culture. Okay. Okay. You're right. That was their culture. Guess what? The whole Bible is written in their culture. <laughs> like, and are there universal truths that still resonate with us today? Of course. But we, but we cannot just ignore the fact that these words were written to that culture in that time period. And slavery was very acceptable and very normal. We have advanced as a society past that. But if you're if we're going to use this argument of using the bible as a black and white literal text we have to be honest about the fact that we're not really looking at it that way otherwise we would not endorse ministries that their sole purpose is to free people in slavery around the world we would not fund them we would not allow them to come speak and do ministry events at our churches we would not look at them as Christian organizations because they're going against black and white text where it says, obey your master. And yet we have ministries encouraging slaves to completely disobey their masters and escape to freedom because we believe that that's what God would want. 
Although scripture doesn't say that. In fact, scripture says the opposite of that. There are also scriptures that say many other things that we could get into about about food and about hair and about attire and many different intricacies and details of black and white boundaries of how we should and should not live. So, and I'm not doing this to poke at anybody at all. I am being very honest with you in that I myself believed up until the last probably seven years, I sincerely believed I took the Bible literally. I sincerely believed that I was one of the elite in this world who legitimately followed scripture to the T. I believed that. And and I I don't know how I just rehearsed in my mind because it was presented that way to just scoot around all of these scriptures that I didn't obey, that I didn't take literally, and that I actually lived in opposite of. Um, but it was very eye-opening for me when I wrestled with this and when I really sat down and became honest about the extent of literal thinking and literal practice I was using with this text. So I had to be honest about that. So if you find yourself freaking out or you have people in your life that are freaking out that, oh no, we're so scared you're not following the word. Okay, first of all, let's clarify what the word is. It's Jesus. It's the spirit of God, right? The son of God, the spiritual being of God. Um, is referring to Jesus. Secondly, Jesus himself didn't always obey the text. And we see that with the adultery picture because there's that story of the woman caught in adultery and and the, the leaders said, hey, scripture or in our terminology, the word of God says she deserves to be stoned. What do you say? And we all know the story. We know that Jesus, of course, in his brilliance, turned the accusers pointing fingers right back at themselves and completely changed the dynamic where he put her on equal ground as them. They were there trying to point out that they were better than her and she deserved death because scripture said so and we're going to obey scripture and we're going to put this into practice and Jesus completely turned that whole thing around. Jesus did not stone her, but the Bible told him to. But he didn't. And, and like Carlos Rodriguez said last week in um, our conversation on the show, and if you missed that, please go back and listen to it. It was a great episode. Um, but even he said, you know, Jesus says, I don't do anything apart from the will of my father. I only do what I see my father doing. So for Jesus to, to be in human flesh and go against scripture by not stoning her, He's showing us a picture of the heart of God. One that doesn't go by the book 100% of the time. A book written by people, I might add, and their interpretation of God. But that's a whole other topic. So I, I would encourage you to just chill out on the whole idea of freaking out about not following the word of God. It's not something to be fearful of because like I said, the Bible itself points us 
to this idea of there being a greater purpose, a bigger picture than our narrow little lenses want to give us. Um, And I think Jesus summed it up perfectly in John chapter five. And this is, I got to be honest with you guys. So it was kind of fun. I dug through scripture a lot before I recorded this podcast and um, which is why it was out um, a little bit later than I normally put it out on Thursdays. But I really wanted to dig into the text and I have enjoyed that. I've enjoyed that. I have taken a break at times from scripture. Um, and I'll get into why in a little bit, but it was fun to, to crack open the pages and dig back in again. So he says, and, um, this is Jesus words. He says in John five, verse 37, he says, and the father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You've never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe in the one he sent. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you will possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Okay, you notice that he said, You've never heard his voice, meaning God, nor seen God's form, nor does his word dwell in you. And I did a little search on that word, word, because I was always taught, I don't even know if I was taught or if I just instinctively believed that that meant the word of God in the context of the Bible, um, that the word does not dwell in you. But actually I searched um, the Greek of that word and it's the word logos, word, which refers back to a thing, an actual thing, like matter, like when it's describing Jesus be the word of God, it's, it's that same word. It's talking about Jesus. So he says his word does not dwell in you, not meaning the Bible, but he means Jesus does not dwell in you. You diligently instead study the scriptures because you think that by them you'll possess eternal life. But the scriptures testify about me. Like he's saying, you are looking in the wrong place. <laughs> like you're, you're looking to a book to try to find eternal life, but the eternal life isn't in the book. It's in what the book is talking about. And the book is talking about me. And hello, I'm right here in front of you. So I just, I, I had to point that out because I think Jesus saw this tendency inside of religion. And I know a lot of um, non-denominational, evangelical, spirit-moving people, we don't like the word religion. I was taught it's about relationship, not religion. Fine. I don't care what you call it. It is a practicing religion. And there is a pattern inside of a practicing religion that really, really, really likes tight structure. It just does. And I think that Jesus was seeing this played out so loudly in front of him. And he just cuts right through like he always did and still does. Um, And just got right to the deal. He's like, look, you're looking in the wrong spot. I'm right here. And so I feel like when I hear people all pinned up about this whole, we're not following the word of God, panic attack. I feel like, I wonder if that's how Jesus was seeing the Pharisees back then. 
Like, what are you talking about? I am still alive. I'm a living, breathing thing that's happening all around you, but you are missing it because your nose is in the book. Lift up your eyes and look at what I'm doing right here, right now. And when you use that picture of the woman caught in adultery, that's essentially what happened. Their noses were stuffed in a book and they were missing the humanity in front of them. And what the spirit of God was trying to do in their midst, which was to show them a better way, which was to show them mercy and kindness and a non-condemning spirit. That's what he showed up and was trying to do in their midst, but they were missing it because their noses were stuck in a book. They missed him. So um, I had to point that out. I absolutely love the brilliance of his words there. So this leads me to this whole idea of um, another panic button that I'm seeing a lot of my... um, Christian brothers and sisters having is this realization that there are so many people with so many different ideas of this faith called Christianity, and they have so many different practices and so many different beliefs, at least they think that they're so different, um, that they're like, oh my gosh, how do I know which is right? I want to do the right thing. How do I know which, which one is the right one? And there's a couple different ways I look at this. And this was something that troubled me too, quite honestly, because I was starting to feel like, and this was years ago, I was like, wait, how do I know that mine is the right one? Like, how do I know that we're really the ones with the ticket in? <laughs> like, Because there was such an emphasis on getting in, right? Like, you didn't want to be left out. You didn't want to go to hell. So how do I really know that, that this is the right one? I mean, maybe the Catholics have it figured out. I, I, how do I really know? Because I've never seen or known anything outside of my normal. Okay. And so this began a, a very candid, at times comical, dialogue between God and I. And one example that God gave me that really helped simplify this for me was that, okay, in life... People will go on many different diets and many different nutrition kicks. And, you know, I have friends that swore for years by the Adkins diet, like, and they would talk about it obsessively because it was helping them lose weight. I had a friend who all of her health problems seemed to go away when she went on the Adkins diet. I mean, she was just obsessed with it. You know, now I have friends who are absolutely obsessed with other health practices and other vitamins and supplements and on and on we could go, right? The thing is, is that when someone finds something that helps them or benefits them or has changed them, they will talk about it as though it is the absolute one way only truth. They will because to them it is and that's a legitimate thing. And so... I felt like God used that as a comparison for me. Like, okay, there are people who will shout to the mountaintops about their way of practicing their faith. And it may be a way of practicing that you completely disagree with or don't get or don't see eye to eye on. But for them, it's what worked. 
For them, it's what connected them. For them, it's what brought them peace. It's what brought them hope. It's what brought change into their life that was good. And so, of course, they're going to talk obsessively about it. And, of course, they're going to believe it is the only thing that could possibly work for any human because that has been their experience. You can't ever discount someone's experience. And so... You know, when I started seeing it that way, it made a lot more sense to me. I believe that God is constantly, constantly in conversation and in connection with all of mankind because we all are made in God's image and we all carry the divine inside of us. We're his children. So when I looked at it through that lens and and this started happening when I first started speaking, um, after I wrote my first book years ago, I, I spoke in many different denominations and I was a bit naive until that point because my circle had been just the non-denominational, um, more charismatic world. Like that was all I'd known. And then I found myself at my first speaking engagement teaching at a Lutheran church. And I was like, I mean, I went in with my guards way up like, okay, these people don't really know the real Jesus because they don't worship right. They don't pray right. They don't do all the things. And so bless their souls. I'm going to come and introduce them to the real Jesus. I mean, honest to God, it's where my head was. And I get there and within probably five to 10 minutes of the service beginning, Beautiful music, beautiful, um, I don't even know what you want to call it. It was like, because I don't know that tradition all that well, but opening prayer, right? I was sitting in the pew and tears just streaming down my face. And I'm not a crier. Like, I don't cry all that often the last few years have been a lot of crying, which you guys know about on this podcast. But like normal Anna, like normal me, I'm one tough cookie and I don't crack very easily. And so I was so moved and I was not moved because the music was fantastic. I wasn't moved because the prayer was so perfectly spoken. I was moved because I encountered the spirit of the divine in a powerful way. And it threw me because that was not the environment I was expecting to feel that in or experience that in or connect in. And it happened. And from that moment on, I was like, oh my God, I've been missing out. I'm ready to be Lutheran. Sign me up. (laughs) I was just like, I'm all in. These people have it figured out. And lo and behold, one by one, visiting denomination after denomination after denomination, guess what? God is everywhere. Like, I got to like pop your bubble for you. God is moving and is resting on people's hearts everywhere. And if we're open, we can get a, a taste of that. And sometimes when you encounter him outside of your normal, in the last place you expect to, it's often sweeter. And And I had that moment in that in that church. And I will never forget that. Like it has, it has stuck with me. And, um, the people there that I met were amazing and were some of the most spirit filled, 
loving humans I've ever met. So when we freak out thinking that, oh my gosh, there's so many different ways to view scripture. There's so many different beliefs. There's so many different perspectives. Oh my God, how do I know what is right? God is moving and breathing in many places, in many forms, and people will testify, to use a church word there, they will testify to what works for them. In that moment, the Lutheran church was, it had my number. It was working for me. I was testifying to that system because it it connected something for me. So just like people on diets and people on vitamins that they swear by, we have to give grace and we have to breathe and we have to realize that people will speak to what is working for them and what works for someone else may not work for you and that's okay. It's okay. One thing that I've noticed in scripture about Jesus, um, and I so wish we could have really been there to feel the tone, right, of when he's talking. Because, you know, you're reading text and I can kind of get the idea of the flavor and the tone and the temperament. But it, it's nothing like actually being there. So I, I really wish we had we had access to that, but we don't. But one thing that I have noticed was that Jesus spoke differently to different people all the time. All the time. Um, and just for an example of that, like you look at, he was asked by that ruler, which often is referred to as the rich young ruler. He was asked by him how to get into heaven. He was asked by a Pharisee, Nicodemus, how do I have eternal life? He was asked by his disciples, how to get into heaven. People were very excited about this idea about getting into heaven. It's funny. We have not changed all that much, have we? It's still a heavy topic inside of faith groups. But Jesus's answer was different to all three. He said to the young ruler that the ticket in for him was to sell everything he had and give it to the poor. He told Nicodemus the Pharisee that he needed to be born again, born of the spirit and the flesh. And then he tells his disciples that they just needed to believe in him. So you have three different answers. And of course, I could sit here and create a sermon that would tie all of them together to whatever point I was trying to lead you to. I could do that. But the human me reads this and I'm like, Yeah, he wasn't real clear on that answer. (laughs) I'm just going to be honest. He did not have a definitive answer. And yet, we're conditioned and taught inside of our American way of Christianity that there is one way, there is one answer to every question we have. And if we are not memorizing those answers and reciting those answers and vomiting those answers back out, we've missed it. We're wrong. And yet Jesus didn't do that, like ever, even about what we now consider, like the American Christian church has a very scripted answer for how do I get into heaven? They have tracks, they have, they have sermons, they have altar calls, and they all have very similar, straightforward, black and white, this is the answer. And Jesus didn't do that on what we would consider a very non-negotiable question 
Jesus was kind of like, well, here's a thought. What about this? Sell your stuff. Here's a thought. Try to be born again, which completely freaked Nicodemus out, by the way. Here's a thought. Just believe in me. Why he said what he said to those different people probably had a lot to do with those different people. When I look at scripture and when I look at Jesus, I see this picture of someone who continued to be what was needed with the people in front of him. He continued to speak to the situation in front of him. He didn't seem to have a one-size-fits-all thing going on. It was very tailored to the audience he was speaking to. And not to please them by any means. So he didn't seem to worry about pleasing people. He tailored it to their needs. He tailored it to their design. He tailored it to their way of thinking. He tailored it to their way of life. He tailored it to their culture and their context. He tailored his answers to the individual standing in front of him. And to think that we have progressed past that way of viewing the way we speak to people and the way we communicate things to people, I think is quite arrogant. God himself gave us a picture of what this idea of a relationship with the divine should look like. He gave it to us through Jesus. And the picture he gave us is not one with cookie cutter answers and a one size fits all picture and a scripted black and white text. It's just not there. And that leads me to the next thing that a lot of people say, which is, well, the Bible's clear. I mean, the Bible's just clear on this topic. And so, you know, the Bible is not hard. Anna, it's very simple. It is a very simple book to understand. It is black and white and it's just clear. And I kind of want to be like, um, have you have you read it? Because it is far from easy to understand and it is far from being a simple book. I have studied this thing since I was a child. And it is not simple. In fact, it gets more complicated the older I get and the more I understand social dynamics and politics and culture and people groups and wars and times of peace and power struggles and oppressive powers and marginalized people and foreigners and insiders and outsiders. Like The more I understand the dynamics of the world, the more complicated this book has gotten for me. And it's being more complicated for me because it contradicts itself a lot. And because Jesus himself, like I just told you in those three examples, even he is very tailored to the individual. So how we can pull out of this thing exactly what God meant all the time and exactly what God thought all the time. I don't know how you would do that because this book isn't set up to read that way. You know, I think the the Bible, it, it's asking us to wrestle with it. 
Like the way that it's composed and the way that the writers wrote things and the way even the four gospels are four different different accounts of of even Jesus's words. Like they word things differently. They have different perspectives, which I've heard many, many a pastor say, well, you know, that's, that's a good example of, of four different accounts of people who are viewing it through their own lens. And you have this one who thinks of things in these terms and this one thinks of the, okay, explain it away all you want. The stories aren't the same. <laughs> so this book is not simple. It's not clear. I wish it were. It sure would make this thing a lot easier. But I think what the what the book itself, what the text is inviting us into, it's inviting us into the mystery that all of these writers inside of this book are talking about. The mystery that they're trying to solve. The mystery they're trying to get to the bottom of. And that is this whole divine being that interacts with mankind. That 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 even came down in human form and completely changed the dynamic of the culture at that time and then went on to completely change the the dynamic of the world this book is pointing us to that mystery that the writers themselves are struggling to get to the bottom to the whole way through and so I believe it's an invitation into that story. I believe it's an invitation into wrestling with the text. You know, when I talked about um, the the things that we no longer take literally in scripture, such as slavery, such as mixing of races, such as women's issues and women's rights, um, divorce and all those things. Many people before us wrestled with this text and came to the conclusions that we now take for granted today. You know, there had to be a group of people who wrestled with the idea of slavery, who had to look at the text and say, well, the Bible's really clear. The Bible clearly says. And they had to wrestle with what they thought Jesus would say now. They had to wrestle with what they thought the Spirit would lead them or prompt them to do. They had to wrestle. I imagine for some it was a bitter wrestling because like us, they they want to cling to the absoluteness of Scripture. And yet, they were faced with with a cultural dynamic that, that beckoned for them to wrestle with the text. They had a conscience They have moral convictions that were screaming for the text to be wrestled with. So I believe that the Bible is inviting us into that wrestling match. And I think that when we think that we have all the answers and when we think that the way we believed about it 10 years ago, 20 years ago, is how it should be still today, I think that that's when we should be worried because I... I believe like any relationship and like any growing mind, we should be continually critiquing our own way of looking at things and our own biases. And that's, that's something I didn't really get into, but, um, there's an honesty piece that, that I had to come to terms with that I, 
came with my own bias towards scripture. I did because a lot of things were indoctrinated into me to read scripture a certain way and to take certain texts as literal and take certain texts as not literal and to take certain texts as cultural and other texts as not cultural. I come with that bias. I was taught that bias. And so when I said earlier in in the show that I had to take a step back from scripture, that's what I'm talking about. I had to let go of it for a little bit and recenter on my connection with the spirit, my connection with the divine and let that settle me before I picked it back up again. Because there's nothing more dangerous than the Bible in the hands of someone who doesn't know the Spirit of God. Because this book can be used to do awful things, and it has for centuries. Um, so I had to recenter my being back to what this book is telling me to focus on, which is my relationship with, with God. And once I felt centered, then I, I've started to crack it back open again, and I've started to re explore some things. But um, you know you need a break from it when everything you're reading makes you feel bad about yourself or everything you're reading fills you with fear or everything you're reading fills you with a, a distaste towards your neighbor. None of that is fruit of the Spirit, like none of it. Jesus was not about fear. He was about love. So anytime you are feeling fear, you are stepping outside of that connection, out of that flow with the divine that flows from a place of love, not fear. Anytime you feel condemned or shamed or less than, you've stepped outside of the flow of God and you've stepped into something else. Anytime you look at your neighbor and you feel better than them or you feel like you're right and they're wrong or that you are above them. You've stepped outside of that flow. And so every time I read scripture, if I stumble into that way of thinking again, I put it down. And I don't pick it back up again until I'm ready. And I think that's good. And and I hope that I continue to self-critique myself, not only with the way I read the text, but with the way I I view my relationship with God, the way I view God. I think I should be constantly trying to step back and look at myself and be like, okay, am I bringing more bias here, <laughs> right? Am I, am I just going back to what I was taught or am I thinking freely with the spirit of God and allowing him to take me places maybe I am not familiar with? It's a journey. It's a journey. And I, I think it's an important one. I think it is a beautiful one, and I certainly am not perfect at this, but I do know that the more I stay in my centered place with God that's good and kind and non-condemning and non-shaming and all of the things that everyone who encountered Jesus loved about him. When I encounter those things, when I stay in step with those things, the text comes alive again and the text becomes colorful again. And it doesn't become scary or rigid or a way to tell other people how they're living wrong. I want to stay in step with the way Jesus lived. And, um, 
I hope I've conveyed that part of my journey with you well today. This is, it gets a bit tricky when you're trying to go through all of this, but I I hope I've communicated it well. Um, If you haven't checked out my blog, I encourage you to go check out my blog. I write a lot about my journey through things like this, through topics like this. And um, I, I recently even wrote a piece about my thoughts on hell, which you may find interesting if you are following along this train of thought and you're and you're now venturing out to different perspectives and, and different journeys in your faith, that might be a, a good blog for you to check out. So all that being said, I love all of you. I love being on this journey with you. You guys make this journey worthwhile. And I've said it before. I will say it again. I love hearing from you. I love connecting with you. I love knowing that this is resonating and that we're connecting and that I'm not alone in my journey and you're not alone in your journey. So um, I'm available to reach out to. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Anna Dimmel, D-I-M-M-E-L. And I respond to my um, direct messages on there. You will be surprised. I will. You'll write me and I'll write you back because I like talking to you guys. So shoot me a message, say hi. And um, I try my best to be an encouragement to you as, as best I can. And so on my Instagram page, I try to post sayings and quotes and thoughts for the day that, that all are speaking to this message of you being enough, of God being good, and of a life spent where we are not divided, but we're united. And so I'd love for you to find me on Instagram. All that being said, Love hanging with you guys today. Love this talk. Love this conversation. And I would love to hear your thoughts. Hope to hear from you guys soon. Hey there. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. You can find my blog and links to my Instagram and Facebook account on my website at justajesusfollower.com. I hope you join us next week for another raw, honest conversation. In the meantime, go in peace and know that you are enough.